that service is the antidote to loneliness. What's fascinating about that is when we show up and we're fully present with those with whom we meet, we're not just giving a gift to them, we're giving a gift to ourselves. Does talking about your money make you cringe? Are you tired of fighting about finances? Do you want to stop sabotaging your financial happiness? Then you are in the right place. Welcome to Breaking Money Silence, a podcast series aimed at helping all of us talk more openly about money. Your host, Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, is a wealth psychology expert who is doing what she does best, speaking about taboo topics. International speaker, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection, Kathleen understands money and our relationship with it. Over the past decade, she has empowered thousands of people to break money silence at home and at work. Now, here is Kathleen. This podcast was brought to you by Oak Maple Finance. At Oak Maple, our fiduciary, heart-centered approach means letting go of one plan fits all advice. Our process is simple. You talk, we listen. You get financial guidance customized to your specific needs because we know that life is better when your financial plan fits you. Visit our website at oakmaple.com. Today, I'm with Betty Petten. She serves as the Director of Philanthropic Consulting at Calan Family Office, where she supports individuals, multi-generational families, and nonprofit organizations to successfully achieve their philanthropic vision. I met Betty at a conference recently and found out that she brings 34 years of extensive and diverse experience in financial services and nonprofit leaderships to help families connect their wealth to purpose and realize meaningful legacies. In addition, she has nonprofits that rely on her to align their mission to potential donors and educate their boards and staff on topics such as governance and finance and investment acumen. So today, I am very fortunate to have Betty joining us to discuss next generation giving. She's going to help us understand how millennials and Gen Zs are engaging in philanthropy and how this is similar or different than the generations before them. Welcome, Betty, to the Breaking Money Silence podcast. Thanks, Kathleen. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I am so excited to continue the conversation we started at that conference that we both were at. And for anybody who's interested, that conference was the Family Wealth Alliance. And the Family Wealth Alliance in particular and your daily work, Betty, often deals with very, very affluent families. So I just want to start by quickly just finding out, do you think philanthropy is just for families or individuals that have a certain amount of assets that a lot of us would consider, you know, wealthy or ultra high net worth? Or do you think this is something that anybody who's listening to the podcast can benefit from? Yeah, thanks for the question, Kathleen. It's a really important question to kind of, you know, maybe set some context and define philanthropy up front um, for all of our listeners. And simply put, philanthropy, it's, it's just being generous with our resources for the greater good. Some define it using the terms sharing of our talent, our treasure, our ties, and our time. And yes, for the very affluent, it does give the wealth purpose. It's an expression of their values that often support the transfer of their wealth generationally by using family communications, setting a clear mission, a set of common goals, and how the family shows up in the community. That being said, it does not need to mean a name on the building, right? There are huge benefits for all of us 
that come from thinking about something greater than ourselves. Some might say our purpose. So in short, it's definitely something for everyone. And maybe to kind of further define (laughs) what I mean by purpose, I think on the minds of many in your audience, you and I spoke briefly about a little blockbuster movie that's currently in theaters, um, which of course, yes. which of course is Barbie, and you know beyond all of the meaning that's represented for those in the audience, specifically, there's a little Billie Eilish theme song, "What Was I Made For," and that really says it all. It's important for all of us to know our purpose and the role that we serve in society. I'll just share one tiny sort of example of sure the way that each and every one of us can kind of think about the gifts we have to give. Probably some of your listeners, like myself, have kind of affirmations that they practice every day or once a week. And there's one in particular that I like that kind of represents what philanthropy is to me around sharing the resources that I have. And the credit goes to Jonathan Lehman. He has an affirmation that's part of, this is just one of seven affirmations. And he says, you know, in order to switch on the happiness button in my brain. I want to think about giving everywhere I go, even if only a smile, a compliment, or my full attention. Listening is the best gift I can give to those around me. And so this can be philanthropy in its most basic form. And I love that because often we think about, you know, the dollars and cents and, you know, I'm trying to if you are in this situation where you are so caught up in having to pay your own bills, mm-hmm. that even a smile is a charitable act. I just love that, Betty. And, and you know, people aren't meeting you in person, so to speak, <laughs> but I have a, an advantage of having that. And you kind of elude that, that joy and that generosity. So I, I love that definition to kind of just land us in terms of this conversation about philanthropy and, and what it means to give, especially to the next generation. But before we get there, I know you work with multi-generational families around philanthropic giving. What do you see as some of maybe the similarities and differences between the generations when it comes to how people want to give or what they want to give to? Give us some examples to help us understand if there are differences and similarities. Yeah, you know, and Kathleen, for you and I and other advisors and folks sort of in this field, you know, there's so much talk about the next generation. I would argue that generation is here now. And so while some may refer to them as next or rising gen, they're really the now generation. And I work with many of those in that category. And honestly, the biggest or the greatest interest, I'll say, in broader social impact for that generation is just using their personal resources for the good of community. Very, very hyper-focused on social justice and the inequities that exist, and also, of course, on the environment. And so I'll just give kind of one example of how their giving of their resources might be different from the generations before them. Uh, One family in particular had invited their now adult children to the table to talk about where and how to give. And, you know, really to give a nod to their parents and their grandparents, they looked at their historical grant making and uh, Habitat for Humanity, of course, a very popular organization that's focused on housing the unhoused, and in particular, a very vulnerable community. And so in order to recognize that grant partner that their parents and grandparents had always had, they said, you know, instead of kind of bricks and mortar, hammers and nails, and the gifts we've made around their capital funding, we're going to make a gift 
to Habitat for Humanity's diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts. In that way, their leadership can learn about how to broaden and be more inclusive of the audience that they serve and really understand the needs of that community. And so I thought it was a great way to sort of transcend the family values around efforts that had a broader social impact that are more sustainable while still recognizing the values that are important to the family. It's not always easy, I'll say. I was going to ask, because that's, really, that's a really nice example. I love it. I think, oh, brilliant. And it maybe took a while to get there. But what happens if mom and dad want to give to something that's dramatically different than, as you call them, the now generation? Yeah. Look, I, you know, even if your family's not currently involved in generational giving to charity, we've all had experience at the Thanksgiving dinner table, right, Kathleen? <laughs> it's, not, yes. it's not easy to find your common ground. And for that reason, actually, my colleague uh, Amy Jukoski and I actually recently wrote a paper It's called The Generations That Endure, and it specifically addresses some tips and tools for having multi-generational conversations when there are family entities that need to cross generations, like selling a business or maybe sharing in philanthropic conversations. So know that there's tools out there to have those conversations, (laughs) and I think you're going to be including a a link to that paper at the, the end of this podcast. Yes, I will definitely include that in the show notes. At a high level, can you give us a tip or two or a sample around philanthropy? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Again, I think it's important to understand almost like a Venn diagram, Kathleen, which is that, you know, sort of fancy sort of group of circles. And each and each one of them are important and unique in and of themselves. And I think recognizing that with each of the generations about what's most important to them But if there is a natural leader in the family that can sort of categorize where there is that common item that might be less important for some, but equally important to others, that's the most sort of visual way that I can describe what what you'll read about in that that particular paper. Yes. And and the Venn diagram is something that I use in my work around a totally different topic. So I can see how that could be really useful. And it also correct me if I'm wrong, but if you want to give and you want to give in a way that's slightly different than the generation before you, uh, or your kids want to give differently than you, it doesn't mean you can't have some shared giving or shared values and some different values. You know, a philanthropic plan, I imagine, could involve both. Some that's, you know, furthering the legacy uh, or the historical focus and some that isn't. Is that correct? Oh, sure. Absolutely. I mean, again, look, there there is no shortage of need on this planet. And the families with whom I work, they give, you know, across the country and around the world. And in the United States alone, there's at least 1.6 million charities. So there's no, there's no short list of where to give. There's lots and lots of opportunity. And surely from that broadest of lists, folks can find their common ground. Yes, and that's why they work with someone like you. 1.6 million, that's huge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's just in the U.S. So so let's talk about younger kids uh, for a minute. So younger, like you have small children, you're listening mm-hmm. to this podcast. And when I say small, I'm talking, you know, anywhere from grade school up through high school, maybe uh, newly into college, mm-hmm. right? So how can you start talking to your 
kids mm -hmm. and when should you start talking to your kids about philanthropy? Mm -hmm. Because I get that question when I'm speaking and that's not my area of expertise, but often, you know, it's important to break money silence. It's mm -hmm. important to have these conversations about money. But what are your recommendations when families ask you that question? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, just recall what I shared earlier about the benefits of giving and this theme of gratitude and how helpful it is to each and every one of us, regardless of age. So keep in mind that by sharing what I'll sh share here in a minute <laughs> with your children, you're really giving them the best gift that you could possibly give them. Because for young children, it's all about helping them to develop compassion and it shapes their values and it forms their their attitudes of generosity, helps them learn empathy and the needs of others, something other than themselves. And then for teens and young adults, you know, it, philanthropy can teach money management and budgeting and help with their communication skills and also help find their voice and even develop their leadership skills. So I'll give two very specific examples that may... Sure, that'd it. be great. Yeah, because I think it is, it's a tough topic and we are here to break the money silence. And so uh, I work with a family who for a, a couple of their very young children, eight and 10 years old, as a matter of fact, these children were assigned a set of tasks within the household. And of those funds that they earned, they were required to set aside a certain percentage of that and kind of designate whether they were going to give, you know, those funds to little boys or little girls or anybody in their community. And then once they had, you know, a, a fair amount, a few dollars set aside, um, as a family, we went to visit a charity that was focused on the needs that they had identified. In their case, they wanted to help other school-age children their age, and they saw through the pandemic how food insecurity had been a real challenge because, of course, we know that for many, the only nutritionist meals that they'll get is in school. So we went to this center where after school, children could convene and they received a snack or some wholesome meals. The executive director met with these two young children and thanked them for their donation. And they explained it this way that you'll see, Kathleen, any child can understand. They said, thank you so much for this gift. A lot of the food that comes here for distribution, it, it's a government surplus. surplus. It, it comes from other resources and we don't often control. So sometimes we receive peanut butter and sometimes we receive jelly. But in order for these students here to receive both peanut butter and jelly on their crackers after school, you're going to help with that gap. That is what your gift can do. I think that's a story that any parent can share with a child or really. I love that. That's so <laughs> relatable. It is. <laughs> like I it's think so it's... relatable. Even for me, I'm just like, okay, I get it. <laughs> Yeah. Who who doesn't love a good peanut butter and jelly sandwich? <laughs> In our family, I'll just speak, you know, from our experience, we actually set aside a portion of dollars as part of an annual tradition that we then share with each branch of the family. So um, my children and their children receive a designated amount as a family. And then, and this is the most important part, Kathleen, we set up a family meeting to come back and talk about why we chose the charities that we chose. And the why is the most important. And here, here's why. Because both our children and now their, grand, their children, my grandchildren, can talk about what's important to them. And without using the word, my values, it, they're able to express their priorities 
and I ask them why those are priorities and I get to hear great stories from the next generations. And surprising to me in particular, I get to hear from the spouses of my children. So I, I don't know about your home, Kathleen, or, or others that are listening here, but I don't always sit down and hear from my son-in-laws, you know, <laughs> their why, their why. Yeah. <laughs> but through this conversation, I'm able to do that. And so it, it opens up a, a really nice conversation from the folks that are raising my grandchildren. I mean, and that's been a great lesson for me. So hopefully that. I That is a cool example of something <laughs> that could be very transferable to all different types of families and types of, of financial situations. And, and, you know, I, what I love about philanthropy and I did, I grew up not with necessarily monetary philanthropy other than, you know, I was raised Catholic and we gave every week at church, but certainly in terms of volunteering, watching my parents volunteer and give up time. And, and these examples and this role modeling, and, and we did break money silence in some areas that was not one of them. But even just the actions speak so loud. And if you can put words to it and have those conversations, I just think it really, you're raising more emotionally intelligent children, which the world really needs. Well, I think that's an excellent point, Kathleen. And there's really something to be said around service because you mentioned volunteerism as maybe one aspect of philanthropy. And, you know, again, we can give everywhere we give and it doesn't always necessarily mean a financial gift or even volunteering at a soup kitchen. It really doesn't. Uh, there's a interview I was watching recently. It was part of a Celine, Selena Gomez documentary, and she's interviewing the Surgeon General of the United States. And he says that service is the antidote to loneliness. What's fascinating about that is when we show up and we're fully present with those with whom we meet, we're not just giving a gift to them, we're giving a gift to ourselves. So there's lots of lessons here for for each and every one of us, regardless of age. Yeah, absolutely. And I can't help get back to this question, and you may or may not have an answer, but I'm wondering if Barbie was philanthropic, what she would give to. Wow. I think I think I know. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I have to admit now openly to your listeners that I just went and saw it for the third time in the theater. That's the kind of impact it's had. So the types and amount of gifts that that movie has given. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Infinity. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I think she might uh, give some to uh, a woman's cause Mm -hmm. uh, as well as some other things, but that's kind of even an interesting question you could ask a group of people who have gone to see the movie to just talk about philanthropy. And I love how your examples typically are very relatable. When you said, how do you say her first name again? Selena Salima? Gomez, yeah. Selena Gomez. I love her, even though I can't pronounce yeah. her first name. And um, I've watched one or two of her documentaries, so mm-hmm. I, I'm right there with you. So we have to move on to making this even more practical, even though you have already. I, I want to make sure that before our time is done, we get to learn from you kind of some tips and tools you might have for Folks that are listening in that are millennials or Gen Z, or maybe they are parents or grandparents of those individuals. Mm-hmm. Do you have any thoughts on how to get started and, and how to start thinking about philanthropy if you haven't already? Sure, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, as I mentioned earlier, one of the, the best ways you can kind of share your family values within the generations is just asking the generations before you about the family's past giving history. You know, it's a very simple question to get started with is tell me about a time you helped someone and why that was meaningful to you and sort of what 
led you to think about that when responding to this conversation today. And so I, I think it's really more than just honoring and respecting the generations before you, but really helping to understand your where you came from and what and what their purpose is, and therefore maybe help you find your own purpose. I also think that for especially for millennials and Gen Z and all young adults, you know, here's a social impact tip. tip. You know, get your friends involved. I th- believe that that generation cares deeply about having a sense of community and in collective giving. And while it's not too overly complicated, there are some kind of rules around uh, giving of your resources. And it's one of the reasons I recently wrote a white paper. It's called The Business of Philanthropy. And it kind of goes through the kind of steps and processes on your philanthropic journey. So if you're new to philanthropy, there's some helpful ideas in there. And if you're not new to philanthropy, but you just want to have a better sense of the scope of your giving of your resources, there's some helpful tools in there around that as well. That's great. And we'll put that in the show notes. And I already have earmarked it to share with one of my coaching clients. So okay. uh, that definitely will be used. Now, you are part of a series called Women and Philanthropy. And we haven't really talked about any gender differences. As we're winding down, I, I just would like to get your thoughts. Like when you think about women in philanthropy, oh. is there a tip or a story or something you could leave our audience with around being gender savvy and philanthropy? in philanthropy? Wow. We don't have enough I know. Time. Big question. <laughs> big question at the end, Betty, but I thought you could handle it. Yeah, of course. The first thing that comes to mind is, you know, there's just no reason to wait. You know, philanthropy is happening all around us here on our own shores in the United States. Of course, all of our hearts and positivity go out to the state of Hawaii. There is tons of disaster relief efforts that are going on there. And there will be again as we enter hurricane season. So lots to do right here in the U.S. and around the world. You know, as you mentioned earlier, there's the women and girls and the plight that they're facing, whether it's sub-Sahara Africa or the erosion of women's rights in Afghanistan. Um, Many of your viewers are currently watching or have just finished The Sound of Freedom, which brought to light how widespread the issue of human trafficking, trafficking has become. So just connect on social media, find out what's happening and figure out a way to get involved. Because that's not always easy, you may want to ask a specialist to, to help you get started. And one of the easiest that you have in your community right now is your community foundation. So Kathleen, these are places that are set up in every sort of township, community and state across the country. There's about seven or 800 community foundations that exist look up yours locally. Those are great places to get started because they understand the greatest needs in our own backyards. They already have collective giving programs happening as well as education for volunteers, donors, family events. It's already on deck. So it simply is a plug and play. And one of the easiest ways to sort of remove the barriers of entry into this world of philanthropy. Yeah. And I'm a big supporter here in Vermont of the Vermont Women's Mm -hmm. Fund. We recently had a natural disaster in terms of the historic flood in Montpelier, which mm-hmm. is just two towns away. And so I've contributed to those efforts as well as I know my friends have in terms of time and or resources. And even there was a little, um, I would guess, maybe nine or 10-year-old 
kid who had a lemonade stand for the flood victims. And she actually raised over a thousand dollars for one particular family, which was really quite touching. So big or small, no matter what generation we're from, we certainly can think about how we can give and how we can be charitable. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I've really enjoyed this conversation with you, Betty. As you said, time goes so quickly when I'm doing this podcast, because I could talk to you forever about this topic. (laughs) But for folks that do want to continue the conversation with you, tell us a little bit about how people can find you uh, and information about your firm. Yeah, again, absolutely. So I serve, as you had mentioned earlier, as the director of philanthropic consulting, Kathleen, and that's for Callan Family Office. You can simply Google that or go to our website. There are links to some of the resources that I mentioned today. And my email address is bpetton at callanfo.com. Awesome. Well, Betty, it's been so fun to continue the conversation and to break money silence with you. Thanks, Kathleen. This podcast was brought to you by Oak Maple Finance. At Oak Maple, our fiduciary heart-centered approach means letting go of one plan fits all advice. Our process is simple. You talk, we listen. You get financial guidance customized to your specific needs because we know that life is better when your financial plan fits you. Visit our website at oakmaple.com. Thank you for listening to Breaking Money Silence, hosted by Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, a wealth psychology expert, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection. If you like what you heard today, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and leave a review. Also, share this episode with your friends and family. It is a great way to get the conversation started. For more money talk tips and information or to hire Kathleen to speak at your next event, go to www.breakingmoneysilence.com.